Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. <laughs> because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears, and today we have something we never thought we'd be able to bring you, an interview with Thompson Twins frontman, Tom Bailey. I have a picture With me as always, if he promises not to lay his hands on me, he'll be king for just one day. It's Brad in L.A. Looking good, Spearsy. <laughs> Feeling good, Brad. Looking good, Billy Ray. Feeling good, Lewis. <laughs> now, it's, it's obviously, it's been a very long time since we've heard uh, Thompson, the Thompson Twins perform live. Yeah, I just figured that ship had sailed. Yeah. So when people out there hear us say the name Tom Bailey... Their minds might wander to, I don't know what, uh, this? Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old Billy alone! No, that's George Bailey. George Bailey from It's Wonderful oh. Life. Tom Bailey is the musical genius behind Thompson Twins. He's uh, their composer. He's their lead singer. And as we all know by now, Tom Bailey will be on the retro future. Oh, I can't, still can't do it. <laughs> Retro Futura Tour. Retro Futura Tour, which is sweeping the nation uh, in August and September. I will be there September 10th to see them at the Hard Rock Live in Orlando. And by then, I will be able to pronounce it Retro Futura. Futura. The L.A. date is uh, August 29th. It's the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So looking forward to that. Do you have tickets already? I do not. I'm still I'm still caucusing the family to see uh, whether I need two tickets or four tickets. But there are plenty of tickets available, so I, I will be there. It just I, depends on who of my retinue will be in tow. I uh, I actually got tickets the second that it went on sale in Orlando. I stayed home from work that day. I was sick, Grant. I was sick. I wasn't pulling a fair. Like you are hardcore. But I did sit there at 10 a.m. Sit there and go refresh, 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 and uh, I scored seats in the third row. So that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, I think my son wants to go. My wife is kind of interested. It remains to be seen whether we just buy a ticket for my daughter and make her go with us. I'd, I'd say you should. Yeah, you know, that's my call. I'm the dad. For those who have been hiding in the dark, the Retro Futura show includes uh, Howard Jones, the great Howard Jones, always someone you should catch on a concert, uh, Midge Yur from Ultravox, uh, Tom Bailey, of course, uh, China Crisis, and Katrina from Katrina and the Waves. And I believe everyone's performing at least a half hour, so that's going to be an amazing night. Really, three Live Aid performers on the stage at the same time. It's going to be good. And like you say, I'm I'm excited to see um, Howard Jones, who I've never seen. Oh, you're going to be amazed. Um, but to me, to me, one of the amazing attractions of this one is it's Tom Bailey. Thompson Twins hasn't performed live since 1986. They haven't released a new album since 1991. When they went under, uh, Tom and his bandmate and future wife, uh, Alana Curry, they started a new band called Babel. Are you familiar with Babel? 
I've heard of it, but I, I don't think I could pick one of their songs out of a police lineup. <laughs> well, some hardcore fans might remember that Babel was on the soundtrack to the 1994 movie With Honors. Did you ever see that? Uh, I do remember that movie. Okay. Yeah. Here's the big song from that movie. This song is called Tribe. that movie it actually has a pretty legitimate soundtrack i do remember that song now that i hear it Babel was a fun group and uh, they, they released i think two or three albums before they called it quits um we're gonna play a lot of thompson twin songs during the interview but brad just going through their amazing list of hits is there another favorite song that you really love from thompson twins the one that's not on the list here is uh, we are detective which i've been hearing quite a bit lately and it's not i mean it's a it's a fun song it's kind of a goofy song i think that's why i like it because it's a little goofy Dress up in disguise To get away from all those crying eyes Our friends all think we're mad But we know better cause the spy is bad You know, actually, I hear that song a lot these days. I just got serious, satellite radio in my car. You just got serious about listening to satellite radio? <laughs> I finally, finally am able to afford satellite radio. Is it from all the money that's rolling in from Stuck in the 80s? Yes, it's not from that. <laughs> <laughs> I just now have a car that was built in this you know, millennium. But uh, nice. the point being that uh, so I got, I got uh, serious in my car, and I listened to First Wave. That's pretty much the only channel I listen to. Yeah. And they play Thompson Twins, We Are Detective, constantly. Yeah, At, it's, it's weird. At least once I, a week I hear it. I think that they have made a conscious effort to go a little deeper into artist catalog, but that but that means is that instead of um, hearing King for a Day over and over again, you hear now We Are Detective over and over again. Right, and that's a great song, and yeah. and you will actually hear Tom uh, Tom mention it during the podcast. So we're not done talking about that song just yet. Also, what you'll hear in the in the interview with Tom. I asked him why it's been so long since uh, he sang any Thompson Twin songs, and he mentions that he's been busy, but he doesn't really say anything more than that. So I should probably fill in the blanks. Tom has basically stayed in the music business all these years. He transitioned into composing music scores, and he continues to perform, but not new wave stuff. Instead, he's done like uh, dub music uh, with projects like uh, International Observer, and he's done other fusion and audiovisual performance projects. So his, his fingers are very much still in music. Just not the Thompson Twins. He didn't go J.D. Salinger on us and go no, to no. the cabin someplace. I, went, you know, that's, I'm glad <laughs> you cleared that up because that's not really clear in the interview. I'm like, what has he been doing? Yeah, no. He went more like Thomas Dolby. You know, he kind of yeah, like – Kept his hand in. Exactly, exactly. Or Mark Mothersbaum. <laughs> right. It's natural, I think. So uh, I don't want to delay it any further. Sit back and prepare to enjoy a conversation with Thompson Twins frontman Tom Bailey. Hey, Tom, this is Steve Spears calling. Oh, hello, Steve. How are you? Great, great. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. It's a pleasure. Uh, is, is the uh, interview grind one of the uh, downsides to getting back into the touring business? Uh, no, it is not at all. In fact, I'm really enjoying it. And um, people ask the strangest things, you know, but it kind of prompts my memories, which is a good thing, because I need to... Um, 
I need to remind myself how complicated and uh, extravagant it all is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was only saying today, it's not like you can just turn up at the first date <laughs> and say, where do we play? You know, there's an awful lot of preparation. And a lot of it is psychological, and doing this kind of stuff really helps, actually. I was uh, I was talking to Midura last night, and uh-huh. he specifically said he was going to be very interested to see your performances. You know, right at the beginning of the tour, he was very curious as to, you know, how Ooh. how you would be. Well, I can say the same about him. <laughs> In a way, we're both carrying the you know the the work of a famous group single-handedly. So it's an interesting thing, but. I'm sure he'll be brilliant, by the way, and I hope he thinks that I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't doubt it one minute. This, this is kind of an unusual tour. This is the Retro Futura Tour, which used to be called the Regeneration Tour. Mm-hmm. And it's been around for a while here in the U.S. I've been, I've been to it almost every year it's come through. But this is one of those rare times where you have you know, Howard Jones, and you have Midge, and you have you. That puts three artists who all performed at Live Aid on the same bill today. Wow. I hadn't thought of that, but... Uh... I guess we're all from that era, so it makes a certain kind of sense. Yeah, but just you know, I don't think we'll ever see another tour come through with, with such a good pedigree, I suppose. Oh, well, that's good. I, so I, I have to ask you this up front. I'm sure you've answered this you know, several times already, but it's been almost 30 years since you sang Thompson Twins tunes before a live audience. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what took so long? Um, I was doing other things, and I you know, obviously wanted to move away from kind of mainstream music for a while and also I was raising kids and I thought I'd earned a little bit of a rest (laughs) (laughs) you sure did um, I really was distracted by other uh, creative projects so I you know got involved in other things um, which were very kept me very busy but didn't um, involve such a high profile in terms of the mainstream media you know I wasn't chasing chart positions with the same vigor and that's what happened. So, and, and I think there was also a little bit of kind of uh, weariness about the whole uh, pop music game as opposed to music in general, you know, because that kind of success tends to be addictive, not only for the creator, but also the consumer. You know, and people want the same thing out of you again and again and again, and it became a little bit restricting and I knew I wanted to do other things that I wasn't allowed to do within that context so that's really this, the, the answer and, and the other thing is of course psychologically you start to deny your past you know you start to say ah oh, well you know I don't do that stuff anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. that was then and this is now I'm doing something much more interesting now and and so it all be, almost becomes a, a kind of survival necessity to say I'm never doing that again. I put it behind me and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I've more or less completed that denial project and given it no thought for a long, long time. I never thought we would ever be doing this. So only about six months ago um, did it occur to me that I was going to change my mind.
what's your personal expectation for this tour? I mean, what what is it that you hope to feel or accomplish um, by playing these songs again? Well, in a way, I've already mm, discovered that re-engaging with the songs was a more powerful and satisfactory thing that I, than I ever expected it to be. So the validity of them is um, is absolute for me. I've only chosen the ones that I felt I could inhabit or re-inhabit successfully, 100%. You know, I don't want to do this half-heartedly. I think any anyone in my position would fear just being a kind of half-hearted parody of the past, you know, and in some kind of crazy karaoke sense, go out and just go through the motions. I absolutely can't do that. And so I have to re-engage in some way that's meaningful to me now. Luckily, the songs are powerful enough, and partly because I discover new meanings in them, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and 30 years more experience. You think, wow, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a sub-theme in a song that in my innocence I never realized was there, and now I realize what we were really singing about was partly this. You know. So those kind of things engage, and and... Uh, I think it, you know, some kind of emotional maturity has plays its part in understanding those things. Give me an example of a song that you found uh, a new or different meaning in. Um, well, you know, I'm, I've always felt that songs don't exist on one level alone. You know, there's usually a double, often a triple metaphor involved. I'm very fond of the triple metaphor, so it can seem to be about. Uh, let's say uh, uh, falling in love with someone, but it can also be about a sense of awe at you know the cosmic nature of life or something. So at the same time, those two things coexist in a song. For example, um, there was a song called "If You Were Here," which was never uh, released as a single, but it was it was popular because it was in a film. Uh, it's at the very end of Sixteen Candles. Everyone That's has right, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everyone loves that song. People do like that song, and I like it too, and it was one of my favorites. I thought it kind of touched upon something, uh, a kind of raw nerve in me, and um, I thought it was really about the question of honesty in personal relationships. But going back to back to it, it really struck me very, very powerfully. It was also about reassessing the honesty of our optimism about the future, and I thought, you know, 30 years ago, we had this optimism that the world was going to be a better place. And, and yet I felt that we hadn't fully delivered. I'm not just talking about the Thompson twins. I'm talking about <laughs> the human race. Right. No, I agree. That um, we haven't fully delivered on that optimism. There's still an awful lot to be done. You know? And so I've actually written two more verses to more fully emphasize that feeling that I got from the song. That it was about questioning... Um, our unfinished business as responsible people. So that'll make the, that'll make the set list for the American dates. Yeah, it will do. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to hear that. Um, was there any was there any of the hit songs, you know, the well the well played songs that you're 
choosing to to leave off the list because, as you said, you feel like doing them now would be doing them a disservice. I left off a couple because I felt I couldn't really, honestly, re-inhabit them. Uh, Lay Your Hands, although I'm very fond of it in a way, I like the big, kind of bombastic, ritualistic aspects of the song. Um, I felt that it was too sentimental for me to sing. I tried singing it and I felt dishonest. So I put that to one side. I know that's going to disappoint a few people. Um, And also, for a similar reason, no, for the the opposite reason, in fact, I felt that We Are Detective was too frivolous, too silly or something. So, and also because it was partly sung by Alana. So I thought, I'm not going to go there either. But, you know, luckily there are other um, hits to choose from. Oh, yeah, jeez. So um, I very, very quickly found eight or nine that I'm very, very happy to sing and musically were engaging. I went back and re-recorded them in order to reacquaint myself with the, the kind of internal workings of the music. And really, I, I expected that to be a kind of vaguely interesting chore, but it really fascinated me. I was so pleased. It was like reading an old diary or something and discovering what it was like to be... A life for two years. I'm I'm really curious about the the process here because when you went back, did you remember these songs word for word? Did you have to relearn them? I assumed that I'd forgotten them so completely. I didn't own copies of many of them. I had to go into a music store and buy a Thompson Twins Greatest Hits compilation. <laughs> because I'd so, so long kind of lost touch with them. I didn't even own them anymore. And that kind of felt curious and amusing. But then I, it's a bit like riding a bike. You know, I played them and thought, oh, yeah, I remember this. There are certain things that um, were a bit tricky. Most of most of the things came back very quickly. And what was more amazing was I could remember the individual kind of musical components. Um, partly because I did play most of it <laughs> myself, so it's kind of locked in my memory somehow. It just needed an excuse to be uh, to be allowed out again. The um, the music business has changed so much, obviously, in the last 30 years. You know, MTV doesn't really play videos, and now you have iTunes and satellite radio uh, and social media um, where, you know, artists can talk directly to fans. Which which of the newer tools do you personally use or embrace? Hardly any. Um, I'm, I'm not very well plugged into the media, to be honest. Um I mean, for example, I don't own a TV, huh. um, which I'm told is unusual these days. <laughs> <laughs> a little, yeah. But I kind of, it's too high a price to pay. I don't have enough time. If I start watching TV, then it means I, there's something I can't do. And so, and luckily my wife feels the same way. So we live with that. TVs and have done for years and years and years and so that's that's my kind of way of doing things in terms of the music business I hardly recognize it 
as the music business that I worked in has changed so much. And I feel a real sense of sadness about the, 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 the new layers of difficulty which young emerging musicians have to face in order to even earn a basic living out of their music. It's so incredibly difficult now. Um, I mean, sure, you can make a recording in your bedroom with your computer and stick it on YouTube or on a blog or something like that and cross your fingers that people will come across it. Um, but by and large, all that will happen is you get exposure and no money. Hmm. And that seems to be the acceptable norm, some kind of punishment for being a musician, <laughs> is that no one wants to give you any money anymore. <laughs> um, whereas I think you know, music is always healthy when there are ways for emerging musicians to play live, and to be paid for their recordings. Um, and all this crazy stuff about choosing stars through TV shows and uh, talent shows and things. Um, it's kind of laughable, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It's pathetically laughable. And it will never lead to anything good in the long term. So I don't know why we're even debating it. We all know that it's wrong. Yeah. I miss the old days. Now I'm I'm an American fan, obviously not a British, but I know that you know when you when your band was coming up and for for much of your generation, like the milestone to to reach when you knew you were on your way or that you've made it was to appear on uh, British television's Top of the Pops. Right. And to me, that I have so much more nostalgia for that mm-hmm. sort of approach than I do, you know, uh, the the X, you know. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, America's Got Talent and stuff like that. Well, uh, Top of the Pops was an amazing platform because it put you in front of an, an enormous audience, but it was something to aspire to. It wasn't uh, a kind of uh, ignoble and uh, uh, kind of revealing... Uh, work over of the process by which someone is turned into a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. It was the it was the kind of fruits of hard labor. Right. So the, the, they come uh, kind of diametrically opposed. It's true that everyone you know, said, well, what do you do? And you say, you're in a band. The, the, the next question would be, have you been on top of the top? <laughs> so it was the great measure of success. Yeah. And it was, you know, if you hadn't, then you knew you really hadn't made it. So it was, you know, it was was a kind of uh, a plimsoll mark. It was a mark in the sand which you had to achieve at some point. Next summer marks the 30th anniversary of Live Aid, and. um, when you think back to your 18 minutes on stage in Philadelphia, what's the first memory that pops into your head? Well, our 18 minutes should have been longer. We, were, we, were, we had a song cut off because the previous band went on too long or something. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we were running late, just like I've been having the same problem with these interviews this evening, actually. <laughs> um, here's a funny thing. Um, we were introduced in front of the curtain by, I think, Bette Midler. Yeah, yeah. And then the curtain goes up, and on the other side of the curtain is my microphone stand. 
<laughs> I'm standing back by my guitar amplifier with the guitar, and I'm walking towards the microphone stand during Hold Me Now, thinking, you know, by the time we've been 32 bars into this introduction, I have to sing the first line. And I realized that the mic stand was so far away that the guitar cable wasn't long enough to get there. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is why you're in front of 90,000 people in the stadium and, you know, m many millions watching on TV. And um, it's not, that, you know, that's not the time you want to have such a basic problem. So I had to decide to unplug the guitar and walk to the microphone stand. <laughs> <laughs> that is a story I've never heard before. That's great. <laughs> so I had to wing it, as they say, and as a result, I think I, when we sang the song Revolution, I think I got the words wrong or something. Or I made some some attempt to ad-lib uh, a change of meaning. Yeah, I noticed that. So and uh, it partly derailed my memory of <laughs> <laughs> of the words, but you know, that's you a pretty know. amazing. That's a pretty amazing last last song. I mean, you've got Steve Stevens on the stage, Nile Rogers, Madonna, mm -hmm. you know, and how, how, who came up with that idea? How did that collaboration come about? Well, we were working with um, Nile on the album. We, we, that's why we played in Philadelphia because we were recording in New York at the time with Nile. He just made an album with Madonna, so they were friends. She, I think we bumped into her a few times um, in in the past, and so we were kind of friendly. And Steve had made an appearance on that album, so it was just a question. And the rest of them was mo actually mostly the guys from um, the Letterman show, I think. Oh, it yeah, yeah. It, it was the Letterman band, basically, because subsequently we, we toured with... Um, guitarist Felicia Collins, who rejoined the Lesson and Band, that's right. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was a New York session uh, and star studded uh, group of people just having a great time. I read somewhere recently that after your set was over, you went back to your hotel room and played Scrabble. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Niall, who was going through a difficult time with drugs and drink, was on a promise to return and, and not, to, not to party too hard. So we went back to his room and we played Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's—I I know we're almost out of time, so I, I want to ask. You know, after, after this tour is over, what what do you have planned next? I mean, do, is this opening some doors that you'd like to to go through? It is actually. I, I, I'm, you know, big, all sorts of offers are coming through. I, I don't know which I'll take up because I want to find out, you know, whether it feels right, how much I enjoy it, if I can survive it. Because it's actually, you know, we're, we're we have an amazingly hard schedule. Um, we start in New York, and I think we play seven nights in a row, which I never did back in the day. Wow. Um, that can be really quite debilitating and exhausting. So let, let's see if it goes well, and I enjoy it and survive it. And we have offers to, to continue um, in Japan and Australia and 
And then next year in the UK, a whole raft of festivals are interested in this um, playing. So that might be what we do next summer. Well, that sounds great. And I, I cannot wait to see you when you come down to Florida. I think it's the last date of the tour here in Orlando. It is, and it almost didn't happen, so I'm pleased. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be a great night. I'm really looking forward to it. And, Tom, I really appreciate your time today. This has really been an honor to talk to you. Well, Steve, you're most welcome. It's, it's great. I'm glad you called. So there it is, the amazing Tom Bailey. I really enjoyed talking to him that night. Yeah, that's, again, another really thoughtful conversation. Some of the answers kind of really surprised me. I, I was really, I, you know, every once in a while when you do these interviews and you ask these questions, you just don't know, like, now, where is this going to take us? Where is this going to go? And when I asked him you know, about the rehearsal process and how well did he remember the songs, I thought it was completely possible that he would turn back and say, of course I remember these songs. I, I only played them a thousand times in my They're life. They're my children, yeah. Right, right. But for him to say that he was so, they were so foreign to him and that he didn't own any Thompson Twin albums and that he had to go out and buy a Best of Thompson Twins CD. Yeah, I feel a special bond with Tom Bailey now because <laughs> earlier this year I went out and bought a Best of Thompson Twins CD. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I, everyone knows Hold Me Now, obviously, but I mean, and Doctor Doctor, but their catalog of hits is pretty deep. Yeah, I don't think they ever got the credit they deserved for uh, the role that they played in the '80s. Well, I think that the Thompson Twin stuff is quintessential '80s. But there's a question that you forgot to ask, Steve. Yeah, I know. People who listen to the podcast since the beginning of time probably remember that um, uh, the song that was playing when I lost my virginity. <laughs> Was hold me now. I'm and, really, really glad you didn't ask him that question. <laughs> and I swear, hand to God, I had it in my notes to say something about that. And I, I, I wrote, I wrote down like about twenty or thirty questions. Then I just kind of, I kind of just, you know, improvise yeah, as I go based on where the thread. Yeah. Right. You know, how long is he? How long is he going to talk? How long will, will his answers be? And on there was it said, it said loss of virginity dash hold me now. <laughs> And the topic of that song didn't come up. Yeah, so you couldn't really work it into conversation. Yeah. Oh, by the way. I know I know that we have the infamous interview with Lou Graham where, where Sean Daly pretty much tells him. He opens with it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a difference between talking to Tom Bailey, who hasn't performed in 30 years and I have a million questions for. Right. And Lou Graham. So. Who is constantly on the road, yeah. Right. Well, so the, the thing, he, when he talks about if you were here... Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, good crazy. Like, oh, you know, this is the the song has two meanings, and we didn't even realize when we wrote it, it has three meanings. And I wrote some new verses for it, and now I am all jacked up to hear that. No. Like, what, are you, what are you gonna say now, Tom? I'm dying. I know. I, I can't. I seriously. I mean, I, I I've said it before, and I'm gonna say it again. This is a can't miss concert of 2014. I can't wait to hear what the missing verses are. For yeah. If you were here. You know, maybe it's just the lyrics to a Sting song. I don't know. No, this is Tom Bailey. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's going to be amazing. He's going to he's going to blow our minds with it. And I hope I hope people there catch on to the fact of what he's doing. I know they will because I know people love that song. I hope we're sober enough to understand it. No, I, I never drink during concerts. You know that. Only uh, before. No, well, before Adam Ant, yes. But no, normally I like to be there. I like to be fully cognizant. I want I want to suck it all in. That I drink afterwards. So. Gotcha. 
then I wax poetically till three in the morning about mm. the, the third meaning of Dr. Doctor. But you know what else I'd like to wax poetically about right now? The Suggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, as usual, we'll play a clip of a movie from the 80s. If you can get it right, Brad will read your name and possibly insert an inappropriate nickname. Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. God, the pressure! I can't take it! (laughs) Yep, most people caught on that that was Chevy Chase. Some people thought it was Chevy Chase from Modern Problems. Alas, Chevy Chase from Spies Like Us. At first, I thought it was Summer School. No. Oh, you mean the screaming scene? Yeah. Tension breaker had to be done. Anybody else? I think we've used that before as a movie well, clip. So well, now, now we can't for at least ten like, shows. Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> unheard of for me to use the same clip twice. So who are the winners? The winners this week include Shazam from St. Louis, Dr. Jean-Marc Bovey, Stephen Crosby, Dave Classa 84, Sadio, Matt from Connecticut, Oliver the Bard Bardenhire, Rob Snyder, The Weather Guy, and Colin in Spokane. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Hello, this is Chuck to remind Bill to shut up. If you know it, Email us at sit80s at gmail.com or steve in the 80s at gmail.com or, and please do this, brad in the 80s <laughs> at gmail.com. How <laughs> the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Hey, you know the drill by now. We play a snippet of a song from the 80s. Really try to mix it up here. Movies, now songs. Oh, and I if see. you get it right, um, this is the original Seggy, by the way. Similarly, if you get it right, I make up a bad nickname for it. Yeah, you. the days of us giving away band stickers is over. Because I guess, you know, back in those days, I used to have, when I was at the Times, I could literally like fill up 20 envelopes with a swag and then just drop it off in the mailroom. Mail room. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at getting some bottle openers made or something that we could handle. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Because, you know, I got nothing but money to spend on this thing. <laughs> I got nothing but blood. But we love you guys. Yeah, no, I, I would love a bottle opener. Yeah. Um, anyway, here we go. Pay attention, metalheads. Here's the clip from our last show. <laughs> That's Rat with You're In Love. Yes, Two in a row, metal heads. Woohoo! Should I do three? Should I do three metal songs in a row? You know, only you can. Only you can prevent four. It's fires. always. It's always a uh, last minute decision. I don't. I don't right know as I'm recording this what clip I'm going to use next. So we'll just no. see what kind of mood I'm in when the time comes. Who are some of the winners? This week's winners include Carl, not the boxer in Rocky Withers. That's Withers, not Weathers. Rob, pass me another cold stroh. Oh, I see what you did there, Rob. Jeff and Chester, Kurt in Dirty Jersey, Dave Dirt, Rodney, I would be the best 80s metal co-host you could have, Bell, little little caucusing there, I see, Kevin Serving Wench, Gary in Gilroy, Todd B. in Lafayette, 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 yeah, let's go with Lafayette, Charles from Yorktown, Virginia, Christine in Philly, Woe Rosette from the Philippines, Chad Ledoux, and once again, Colin in Spokane. You know, a lot of people have been asking when we're going to do the uh, metal show. Um, it's been a few months now since we kind of declared. Yeah, we, 
we declared victory and then moved on. <laughs> and they caught on to that. We redefined we, victory we conditions. Thought it, we thought it would <laughs> work. the met and yes. moved on. We changed our plan. Pray that we do not change it again. Um, you said we're, you'd record me last, Steve. Yeah, I lied. I lied. We will do it. We just these interviews kind of popped up out of nowhere, and so we had to jump on them. Uh, but we, we're going to get back on track here. I swear. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, uh, you know the email addresses by now, sit80s at gmail.com, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. Steve, did you just drop a The King and I reference? Yeah, I'm stuck in the uh, 1960s. Stuck in the Yul Brynner? Yeah. Have you, seen, have you ever seen... Uh, King and I, like the, of course, the. You mean of oh, course. You mean, do you think it's common knowledge that '80s fans have seen King and I? Well, wait. Do you mean a stage production either. of or the well, Yul Brynner? Either, uh, either way, this st- still has I've, the same I've, line. I've seen the Yul Brynner uh, uh, theatrical release. I see. I've seen it on stage. My mom has a thing for uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, musicals. It do worse. So we've seen. I've I've taken her to a lot. Yeah, I guess my mom's becoming a recurring character now in the podcast. Yeah. I'm I'm secure enough in my masculinity to admit enjoying musicals. So. Oh, I do, I love them, but I never think of them as being depressing. But Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals, that one is not exactly uplifting. They're all depressing. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to get off on a rant here, but have you ever seen Carousel? No, I haven't. Depressing beyond belief. The whole second half is depressing. Mm. Oh my God! I wonder you like him. That, that, remember when you were growing up and you'd watch uh, Jerry Lewis uh, okay. the telethon on uh, Labor Day weekend? Sure, sure. And he always ends with singing "You'll Never Walk Alone." Yeah. That friggin' song is at the end of Carousel. <laughs> it's a weeper. I took my mom to that, and I was just like, <laughs> I mean, that's what the whole started. The whole "What Makes Spearsy Cry." I got <laughs> subjected to musicals from the 1950s. God. Nazis and Sound of Music? Nazis. I hate these guys. Well, yeah. Okay, well, I didn't until recently. What? No, no I sound, did. I'm sorry. Sound of Music is Katie's favorite movie, so we have it on Blu-ray, we have it on DVD, we have it on VHS. I think I have a 16-millimeter print someplace. Did you watch the uh, live version of it when it was on television? Uh, when- Katie did. She didn't think it was that great. No, it wasn't. It was pretty bad. Anyway, we, we digress just a little quite, bit. Quite a bit. <laughs> So uh, we put Reader Mailbag at the end because uh, our writer here gives away the answer to the mystery tune. But it's such a good story, yeah, such a good, so much such a good story yeah. that I, I, did, I did want to lose it. So here you yeah. go. Brad, please, with, with all the heart you have left in you. Tim, I'm going to try and do you justice with this letter. <clears throat> okay, here we go. 
Hi, Stephen Brad. This week's mystery song was obviously Rats You Are In Love, which brings back memories. Here we go. I had a steady girlfriend back in the late 80s who was more into The Cure and Howard Jones, whereas I was into Motley Crue and all the hard rock bands. So when Rat was coming around with Poison, my girlfriend did not want to go. But I had two tickets, so I asked her younger sister to go. She was only a year younger than I was. I always thought she was cute, and I knew she was a little more wild than my girlfriend and would enjoy the show. Being underage, we decided to drink a little whiskey to loosen up and catch a buzz before the show in my car before heading in. Jack straight from the bottle. Can't do that anymore. Why not? Did they take out your mouth or something? I I can't do it anymore. I mean, it's not a good idea, sure. Our seats were something like 40th row floor at what used to be called the Rosemont Horizon. So we ended up having to stand on our chairs to see the stage. I was feeling an attraction to my girlfriend's sister, and I could tell she felt the same as Rap played their songs with their catchy hook guitar riffs. This led to a little grind session with her in front of me on the chairs, but neither of us could quite pull the trigger for a kiss. If that would have happened, I know it would have been a really sticky situation with the girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, Do you think? I drove her home, and my girlfriend was waiting up for us in the kitchen, which had a stairway to the basement where their bedrooms were. I said goodnight to her sister as she walked down the stairs, and she said the same, but with a smile and a look on her face, wondering if that was the end. Sadly, it was the end. Looking back, I should have made a move, because a little while later, I went on a double date with my girlfriend and knew something seemed odd about that night and with the other guy that was on the date. Yep, my girlfriend was actually seeing him and talked her friend into posing as his date. The person who who told me this was none other than, yes, her sister. Ouch. Anyway, I haven't shared that story in a while, but I love being stuck in the 80s, even if it's crappy sometimes. (laughs) Tim from Hughesville. Wow. I, I already wrote Tim back about this because when this letter came across, I mean, I was – you talk about being on a roller coaster. That is that is a Spearsonian story if they're – That is. That is a man, the girlfriend. What a – oh, girl does that? Double date with me, but I'm going to bring the – that's just – That's awful. Oh. That is awful. There's so much weird in that. Oh, oh my God. I feel very bad for Tim. I know. I know it's impossible to go back in time. So they say. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But if if it were invented, and I had a choice between me going back myself and correcting some wrong, and giving my spot in line to Tim to let him go back and fix this wrong, I'm giving up my spot to Tim. Wow. I'm going to stay up tonight thinking about this story. You know, we can all tell stories about being the guy, maybe uh, not quite that horrible, but it certainly no. resonates. Ugh. No, I don't have anything that bad. I don't know. I don't, no, neither do I. So, that's awful. I, and I don't know what, if I'm Tim, I don't know what I go back and do. Do I go back and like totally hook it up with her sister on that night, you know, when everything was clicking and perfect? Yeah, probably. Or, you yeah, know, and I, then you end up in a pool of blood when you get back to their house maybe, and the sister kills you. <laughs> Maybe the girlfriend was just looking for an excuse to, to get rid of him anyway, so it would have worked. Yeah. I mean, that's would, true. Maybe she was hoping that that would happen, and then she'd be she she could have she, righteous anger, be like, "How could you do that to me?" She'd my be sister. Yeah. But she's already moved on, so she's just looking to make you feel lousy. Which, see, like I said, we it's can hard. make her out. We can make her out to be the bad guy, no matter what. It's hard to pull the. Uh, I've I don't know if I've ever told this story in the podcast before, but 
there was a girl that I dated in high school for I don't know, it wasn't very long, you know, a couple months anyway. Yeah. And then we broke up and then I did date her younger sister. Ooh. Um like twice. Yeah. Uh, and but man, you talk about awkward going to pick up <laughs> the, the, yeah, I'll uh, I'll wait outside. Uh, going to pick up the uh, the younger sister, you know, after you busted up with the older sister. Well, who broke up with who? Did she broke up with you, or um, did you break up with her? I'd like to think. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. That <laughs> that it was kind of a a breakup of mutual. Like this just isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Well, she she had a boyfriend back up in Ohio. And where she was from, and she had moved down the here. The Niagara Falls area? I don't know. <laughs> and I found out about it, obviously. And then that's what I was like, no, we, you know, we can't go out. You've got a boyfriend back home. Yeah. So Steve Spears, man of honor. Yeah. I don't have many principles, but I'll stand on the one that I have. And uh, so, but then I went out with their other sister, who I liked. And I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I was in high school. Yeah. I wasn't thinking. You're figuring this stuff out as we go. We're yeah. all making it up as we go. Let's face it. I mean, yeah. that's the the sad truth of our whole lives is, you know, you think, oh, when I grow up, I'll get this all figured out. And eh, no, you won't. I don't know. I think I have it more figured out than. But I'm, I swear to God, Tim, giving up my uh, my seat on the time machine, you're going to go back to the Rat concert and bang the younger sister. <laughs> wow. You know, Ed, Eddie stuff. And then and then bring, bring protection, Tim. And then no, I don't even worry about that. Go ahead. Pork away, pal. Her blue. Head <laughs> on back and do it. Tim, you bang her, bang her away, and then you sh- you you pull up to uh, your your ha- to her house to drop her off, and you guys will all be liquored up, you know, in a, in that like post frenzy kind of glow. In flagrante. Right, and then you kind of stumble into the kitchen, you know, hanging on to each other, you know, close. And you say hey, I'm just saying like, hey. Just walk right through the room and down to the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of give her just kind of point, like you know, to this guy as you walk by, her, like boop. That's gonna be great. Take a video camera, Tim. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed <laughs> with. Yeah. We want to see the look on the girlfriend's yeah. face, not the rest of it. Don't you know? Ah, oh, jeez. I don't need to see that. As usual, if you have a story for us, if you can beat Tim's story and you can't, let's just face it. But if you have a more compelling tell us your reason, stories. tell us, tell us a, give me a more compelling reason to give up my space on the time machine. <laughs> just give me a reason and uh, email it to sitas at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Roger, you always flunk Valentine's Day. Hey, the basketball was funny. Oh, very funny. And the hamster was cute. Cute. And this year, I'm giving you the FTD Candy Hearts bouquet. Don't kid me, Roger. Beautiful flowers and these red hot candies. Get your red hots. Don't spoil it. Get your red hots. You're learning. Make up for lost time. Send your Valentine an FTD Candy Hearts bouquet. Please don't let this feeling end.
And we're back. And we have just a few minutes left. And I want to come back to Tom Bailey because it's going to be curious to me to see what happens after the Retro Futura tour. <laughs> Please, God, let me not have to say that anymore. I, I think you should just call it the tour formerly known as Regeneration. Ah. Uh. But uh, Tom mentioned that he's been getting phone calls about appearing in some festivals. And I think he actually does appear in a Rewind Festival before the U.S. tour. Oh, yeah. Like a not a warm-up date. but Yeah. Just, there's a couple warm-up dates over there. But one of them yeah. is a festival. But I know that when he said it was over – and he kept saying we, we, we. Yeah. And I like, wonder – Who's we? Well, I wonder because Alana Curry, his, ex, you know, his former partner and, and now ex-wife – they remain friends because they had children together. Right. Would it be unheard of for the two of them to get back together and and tour together again? That would be interesting. Um, I know Nile Rodgers, who they worked with on some of their albums in the 80s and who they appeared with on stage uh, at Live Aid in Philadelphia. He tweeted something the other day saying that he got emails from Tom and Alana on the same day. Really? So I'm thinking – I don't want to say it, but I'm saying – I don't want to well, say it, but I'm thinking it's possible. Yeah, that, I mean he alludes to, you know, we'll see how this goes. We, maybe we'll do some other things, but yeah. I, I'd like to see them back together again. I'd like Me to too. see um, – I would like to see them tour and do a longer a set here in America so we can enjoy them more. And that way if she's on there, they can do some of the songs that she sang – so, you know, time will tell. You did say in Mad World there's a section where they talk about him, and we ought to talk about that book sometime on a future show. But Well, I'm hoping it, to get the author on that show. Yeah, that would be good. But he talks about, well, I don't think we'll tour until Alana's ready. Right. Uh, well, maybe she's ready. That, that turned out to not be the case because he's touring, but hopefully that's going to happen. Right. Wow. I can't, I can't wait. I really think, you know, every year I kind of look at the landscape of concerts and I say, you know, are we past the prime of the 80s, you know, revitalization? And then I, something like this happens, and I think, you know, just a little bit more juice. I don't think you want to look too closely at that, Steve. It's <laughs> going to make you sad. One day, they're just going to find my burnt-up corpse, and that'll be the end. <laughs> and, and Tim from Hughesville will have left a note saying, thanks for your spot in the time machine. Yeah. Better make good on that, Tim. I really have faith in you. In the meantime, Tom Bailey, Brad in L.A., and myself, we remain here along with Tim and our time machine, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly.